Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're back here at a new location. We're at Brawley's Beverage on Park Road in South Charlotte. It is a Wednesday afternoon, August 16th. And we've we've waited long enough, but we finally had to talk about the Inter-Miami match and the 4-0 loss on the road to Messi and company who, uh, last night, that is... Um, Tuesday night have officially advanced to the League's Cup final to face Nashville. It's an all MLS League's Cup final. I've got Danny Brands here. Have you recovered from Friday night's party at EPR and the uh, tough result for Charlotte FC? Not really. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Uh, it's been kind of like a downer. It's just a, it's just it was kind of like to come crashing down like that. But I think you were high on League's Cup, and then yeah, yeah, yeah I you, wanted it. When, I wanted it, it bad. It, I wanted it really bad. When that League's Cup drug wore off, man, yeah, it was it yeah, was, it was a, a crash. Tough trip. Yeah, it was a crash. But see, the thing is, I think even right away though, even on Friday night, we were kind of like the instant reaction was, well, that sucked, but we're proud of the team for making it this far. We at least we got that. At least we got a, a big game. At least like. EPR was packed to the gills. Like it was, there was like, we've had some watch parties in there when there's been ten people. We've had some watch parties in there when there's been thirty people. This one was, you know, pushing seventy-five, close to a hundred if you count the outdoors, and it was packed in there. And it was like, it's a big game. The messy factor brought people out, put more eyes on Charlotte FC, and just the the experience of being in that was was worthwhile, even if it didn't work out so great. Well, and I think that's kind of been the theme around uh, Lionel Messi and his. Uh, sure signing with with MLS is that all of a sudden wherever he is things feel a little bit bigger the state the stadium feels a little bit more packed the watch parties seem uh, like they're a little bit more well attended yeah uh, and, and I think that's good and ultimately you know that is real organic grassroots proof that uh, the global superstar is having a a massive impact on the league and he's one match away from winning his first trophy right. for last placed Inter Miami in the East. Yeah, I mean they're bound to win a second place uh, title. If you if the third place title counts for something, then the second place should count too, right? Losing the championship. Uh, but yeah, they'll probably win it. They play Nashville in Nashville. Very cool. I have a buddy who lives sort of on the Tennessee Kentucky border who's really excited to go down to Nashville to watch. He was buying in line to buy tickets online earlier today and stuff like that. And that's all well and good. Did he and get the tickets? I heard there I think was he issues. got the tickets. I think he got the tickets. There, there's been some issues. Like, one good thing Charlotte FC did was just, like, give you the auto opt-in. So if you're a season ticket holder, you don't have to worry about, like, scrambling to get in line or anything like that, which I thought was nice. Some people didn't appreciate being auto-charged, so you could go either way on that. But... Uh, all in all, it's kind of t- it's a reset time. Like you hope that the boys have been practicing. You hope that the the new practice facility where the, that's been opened up and where they're all training together now has been getting some heavy use over the last couple of days. And even even as hot as it's been in Charlotte, and we're out here on a on a sunny summer patio at Brawley's, you know, new location, very cool spot, good good. This is like a really good like heart of Charlotte type of place in Montford. Yeah, it is. And uh, just like a, a your neighbor, this is like your classic neighborhood spot. We're sitting under a tree on a picnic, picnic table recording this, and it's all just about like getting back to basics. It's just about like the team needs to reset. The team needs to incorporate some new players. There's a new signing who's here in Charlotte. That's good news, right? Uh, announced uh, today the the Finnish uh, player Urinen. 
Yeah, uh, Yeri, uh, Yuri, uh, Urinen, Urinen. I think Urinen is probably a little more more correct. Uh, Yeri Urinen, Finnish sounds Finnish enough to me. And uh, he, he's he's going good. he's going to solve Charlotte FC's issues at at left back. Hopefully, that's the plan here with this signing. And you could see that, uh, especially against Inter Miami, where Harrison Alfel started at left back, uh, he was really struggling in, in that position. Uh, he was. He, he was tapped by manager Christian Latanzio to 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 get the job done in that massive match, and and he just ultimately didn't have the legs for it. You, you'd hope that uh, this new player does, and I think ultimately you, there's not many opportunities, I think, for a player to be signed and just inject it right into the starting lineup. I think Harry Kane at Bayern Munich is a good example of somebody that can do that. And this is on a much, much smaller scale. And it ultimately comes down to really what the position looks like, right? Harry Kane was signed for Bayern Munich because they didn't have a striker. This player was signed for Charlotte FC because we don't have a left back. Therefore, I would expect him to start on Saturday night, 10 days from now, against LAFC at home. Yeah, there's definitely time to work him in to, to, to get him first team ready, I would hope. You know, Burn, If the game was tomorrow, I'd expect him to start. Burn kind of emerged. At left back, he's a more natural right side player. You think that the comp- it'll be back to like a burn Lindsay competition on the right and Urinen holding down the left. Absolutely. I got to say, I was disappointed in Affle extremely. Uh, I didn't want him to play the position. You you called it out as a possibility in our preview episode for that match, and you were right. And uh, and I, I, all I know is I wish you hadn't been because uh, he, he was counted on. He was in, brought in there to provide like some veteran – like heady presence and like calmness and steadfastness. Instead, he was the one that had the complete wrong mentality in terms of seeming to just be fanboying out over Messi from the opening kickoff. And, you know, he had the handball that didn't get called and then he fouled Messi and, you know, uh, basically committed two penalties in one play. You know, one of them got called uh, right under the, he put us under the gun right after the beginning, just totally did not deliver in, in the terms of the veteran leader being inserted for a, big defensive match but again it tact- it goes back to tactics too Latanzio we another thing we said in that preview show we both said don't go out and try to win this game 1-0 or don't try to hold for a nil-nil to penalties because it's not going to happen and that's what it seemed like the setup kind of was at least the, the the tactics even you know the mentality so I just think it was a bad night the team kind of ran out of gas Bender started got a start and played bad Swiderski played his worst game in the league's cup and it just nobody really played good uh, Westwood was okay yeah just nobody was good, and, and we did threaten. We created a lot of activity and no achievement. There were really no shots on goal. Did Miami's 4-1 win at Philadelphia Union in the semifinal make you feel better about the 4-0 loss? A little bit, sure, because, you know, we were – like, the 4-0 loss, it was really a 2-0 game that we just kind of, like, ran out of steam and gave up two more goals at the end. We really held our heads high against, I think, Miami. We played – because we played that defensive setup. We played as defensively as we possibly could. Right, right. but I, I, I think it's also fair to call out that that, that messy goal, which was the fourth goal, yeah, uh, was pretty pathetic. Yeah. It was just like a, the game should have been over five minutes ago. Like, why? Yeah. There like was a, the Charlotte guys had quit playing. They were just right. – they were starting to plan their jersey swap strategies for the, yeah. for the final whistle. I can't you tell know? you how uninterested Messi seemed post-match. <laughs> he, he, he just – I don't think that he is – in love with the idea that he's bigger than the actual match. I think no. I think that he's he's a great player because he loves to be on the pitch. And I think that he's starting to see these opponents 
afterwards kind of fanboy. Yeah. Um, and to me, Sad. I, I think that he sees that and he feels that and he doesn't like it. You can tell in his body language. He starts to look like he's talking to Salt Bay after the World Cup. Yeah. You know, it's like, like just get away from me, bro. Like, it's like, do I? Why do I have to go hug every single player on the every opposing team that I play after every yeah. match? Like, and I, a few you know, high fives is one thing, but having to sit there and like stand in line for hugs, it's embarrassing. You know, and I think that I need to go take a look back at. Ashley Westwood's career in the Premier League to see who he played. Yeah, because it was on Monday, and and I'll give I'll give the captain credit because he waited a couple days. Yeah, to post on his Instagram on Monday that playing against Messi was uh, playing against uh, the best player he's ever played against. And here's a guy that, that has played in the Premier League for a long time, and there's been a lot of great players in the in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this isn't um, you know a conversation meant to to knock anything that that Messi has done. I mean, he's clearly come to the States and is dominating league's competition. But he's also 35 years old and on the tail end of his career playing against a bunch of guys who have no business being in the Premier League. Right. So I I, I think that I I appreciate what Ashley Westwood said in that that post, but but seeing that from our captain, again, I'll give him credit for waiting for a couple days, (laughs) but after spending his entire career in the Premier League... Right. Uh, I, I, I feel I, I feel that there's a lot of players in the Premier League who could tear up Leagues Cup like this. Sure, I think that's fair. Uh, I do. You know, I, I'll just cop to just being salty and, and kind of like I, I I just like I've already run the whole gamut. I went from like indifference to like kind of a uh, imaginative spark about the whole thing to now I'm just salty. Like. Yeah. At first, I was like, yeah, we'll see how he does. Then he started playing against some other teams and doing these some amazing things. And I was like, oh, wow, this is more fun than I expected. Then he beat our team, and now I'm just pissed. And the thing that made me sort of make that shift was not just the fact that he beat our team, but, like, seeing all these these MLS, like, uh, what we call the gatekeeper media, you know, the, the, the people who've been covering MLS for years and years who don't give Charlotte much love. That's fine. You don't have to. I don't care. But it's they're kind of embarrassing themselves the way they like fit, fawn all over Messi and and like it's it's like they they've forgotten their own roots. I, I would say it's like I'm trying. I was trying to think of an analogy for this. Let's see, okay, let's great. see if this I'm tracks. Glad. Okay. So like it's like a it's like if Bono from U2, so, was, yeah, good, great Irishman, sh- by the shows way. up at the punk rock show, and you know at the punk rock battle of the bands, let's say, and and and, sa- and says you know hey. Sure, I'm more of a pop pop songwriter, and you know, I have all these high-minded, highfalutin songs. But let's let's get down and dirty with some garage neighborhood uh, punk rock bands, and just decides to like take over at the the battle of the bands at a much lower level than he's used to. And then, so I'm sitting here as someone who's in a band, let's say that's new on the scene, a Charlotte FC fan, and I'm thinking, okay, well, damn, that's a lot more competition for us. And then I see these older bands, these bands who've been around for a long time, who've been battling in this thing for years. And they start falling all over themselves to talk about how great it is that, you know, U2 has shown up in, to win the Battle of the Bands. I think it's kind of stupid. I, w- I wish there was a little more of a adversarial and less, less uh, you know, blatantly commercial cash grab. It's like everyone wants to get a latch on to Messi for what they can get a, a piece out of him in terms of, you see the same, like Taylor Twellman, Moa Du, and Katie Witham okay, all okay. doing the same here we go, games here we every go. time. Here we go. It's just like, give me, it's sick. You you have teed me up to, I think, give you one of my honest takes about national sports media in America. And this is coming for, from somebody who's listening to this and might be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? First of all, 
Danny's been working at ESPN for almost 20 years, right? So he's he, he knows exactly what it's like to cover sports from a national perspective. I worked at ESPN for seven years. I worked at The Athletic for four years. My time in the national media is over a decade. And I've met so many people who cover sports. And I think one of my biggest criticisms of people that I've met along the way is people in the national media love to latch on to players, programs, stories that ultimately benefit them. And that's what Messi does. Mm-hmm. Messi benefits everyone involved with MLS. Messi is a benefit to everybody in love involved with Apple TV. The reason why everyone is so excited, especially the folks that work for MLS, especially the folks that work for Apple, the reason why they're so obsessed with Messi is because Messi is legitimately impacting them. And it's making their profiles bigger. Mm-hmm. It's making their earning ability stronger. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's recently stepped away from his position at The Athletic, as someone who loves our U.S. coverage of soccer at The Athletic, I can promise you that there was a coordinated approach to covering Messi when he came to U.S. soil. And that approach was nothing else fucking matters, Mm -hmm. especially a team like Charlotte FC. Right. So as somebody in my shoes, for today, my flip-flops, Sitting here on the backside of Brawley's underneath this beautiful tree. Some might, call it, it, it might, some might call it a giving tree. But from my point of view, what I'll say is just be wary. Who is benefiting from Messi? And when you hear them speak, just make sure you take what they say with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Because Messi doesn't benefit me one fucking bit. Right. There's a very real chance that we could be playing decision day for the ninth to as a win and get in for the ninth spot in the playoffs. And I will Messi. promise yeah, you, McKee. every single person that works for Apple will want Messi right. to win that game because his involvement benefits right. them. Could you imagine him not being in the playoffs? They'd be so pissed, especially if he won League Cup and Open. Miami's still in the Open yes. Cup, by the way. So what? There's a chance for him to win a treble, the Messi treble, his first year in MLS. You think Don Garber doesn't want that? You think there aren't people in New York whose corner office jobs depend on that scenario playing out? Of course there are. Right. So just just be aware um, during this Messi experiment in MLS, the trickle down effect is real. I think ultimately the league should and will benefit for this from this over the next next decade. But I imagine these same kind of conversations were being had when David Beckham came into the yeah. league as well. Sure. And then now it's like Beckham never even played in MLS. Yeah. But his, I mean, Beckham was the first DP. So the all the, all the current, you know, DP cash structure and everything that's set up to allow superstars to come in was started with Beckham, right? And now we're in a new era where people are, are openly commenting. Jim Curtin said this after they lost to Miami last night. The rules have to change. The three DP system doesn't work for us anymore. If we're gonna, if Leo Messi is gonna be in this league, other teams need to be able to, well, and, be able to sign players to compete. And I think there's, there's gonna be some people listening to this podcast that are big Messi fans, that are big Argentina fans, of course. that that probably hear what we're saying and, and feel like we're bitter about losing to Messi. And, and I already admitted I was. You did, um, but at, at the same time, let's be real. Like the reason why Messi is playing in MLS is because every single MLS club was on board. Right. It's because every single owner, 
every single president had to say, yes, this is good for the league. We'll do anything that we have to do in order to make this work. Because like you said, there is a long-term benefit and it is, we are now living in the world that was created by the Beckham signing and you, it is, you're correct and you said, when you say we don't think about it all the time, but we all, we live with the benefits of it. And t in 10 years, people who are new to MLS and new MLS fans coming to this league will be like, wow, this league's so much better because Messi came to it and all that stuff and we'll get new fans because of that. But who does that help right now? It surely does not help us right now sitting you know, in a playoff chase, like with 11 matches left, 33 points left to go uh, on the fixture list available to us, and we need every as every last one of them we can scrape to, to extend our season. Does it really help the fact that the teams we're competing against got to play against Miami without Messi, and we have to face Miami twice with Messi? That sounds like horseshit to me, to be perfectly honest. It's, it's, it's tough luck. <laughs> it's, it, it really is tough luck for Charlotte FC. I mean, and... everyone that's that we're fighting for a playoff spot, has already gone and got their three free points in Miami earlier in the season. And we have to go down there and play freaking Leo Messi and the Barcelona boys. It's John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. We're going we're gonna to get into some Charlotte FC talk, obviously. Um, Ten days from now, I mentioned that game against LAFC Saturday night, the 26th at home. A really nice way to get back into MLS play by hosting mm -hmm. uh, LAFC and that should be a really fun but but a tough match. We've got news about Carol Swiderski we're going to talk about on the show. You would think Messi coming to the U.S. would... would that People said that that would mean players would want to be in the league. Mm -hmm. People said that, you know, that would mean ultimately players uh, could see their long-term future here. Is that the case for Carol Swiderski? Doesn't seem that way. We'll tell you why next. Charlotte Soccer Show. We're back on the back patio here at Brawley's uh, Beverage on Park Road in South Charlotte. It's a first for us, and even though it feels like 100 degrees outside underneath this tree, it does not feel like that. It is a gorgeous afternoon. If you can find some shade, that is. The tree is nice. As a, as a uh, Texas boy, I know very well how to find shade. You'll always see me in any uh, outdoor so public social setting. I'm, I'm the guy that like walks in looking around instantly looking for shade and like inching my way up my grandpa taught me it's worth it to walk an extra you know 100 yards 200 yards even to park in the shade when you when you go into to businesses and things like that so love it big fan of the shade over here yeah you like to throw a little shade every once in a while on the show as well. so <laughs> we, there you go. we do uh throw shade and we've got a huge week coming up on the show right i, I think if you're a charlotte fc fan right now you're itching for match week uh, to be back, and that will happen next week. But for now, we've got some exciting news on the podcast. We're going to speak to Crown Legacy President Darius Barnes on the show this Friday. You can expect that episode to drop over the weekend, maybe on Monday morning. Talking to Darius Barnes. Danny, I know you're excited for this one. Lock it in. The Legacy are, have clinched the playoffs. Um, I want to talk to Darius about a lot of things. I know we the, the the pertinent topic at hand will be sort of getting some insight into that whole philosophy of why some of these guys do double duty. I think that's the most thing that's like compelled us when it comes to this show and Ajmong playing two games in a weekend and things like that. Why, how, why does that happen? Maybe we'll get some answers there. But I have some other answers. And I really want to know what is going to be my reward <laughs> for getting Crown Legacy 
some international fame and fortune and love with the Footy Scran account. I went to the Crown Legacy match on Sunday, hot as balls out. I mean, it was unbearably hot. Like, the guys who, they should not have been playing. There's no need to like be out there running full speed in that heat that was there Saturday. But there they were playing against Huntsville, the, sort of the rival in the MLS Next Pro. And uh, I believe it was their first regulation win against Huntsville, clinched the playoffs, great win. They have waffle on a stick. One of the little food trucks there is a waffle on a stick. And it just looked, even, it looked though, it was hot, even though it was hot out, it was brunchy. It was kind of a brunchy time of day. It was a noon kickoff, and I thought, I could go for a waffle on a stick. Why not? And, I th- and then I thought to myself, you know, hey, Footy Scran. You know, the, everybody loves Footy Scran. It's a, it's a popular Twitter account for soccer fans. If you don't know, they just it's like a Twitter account that posts pictures of food that you buy at stadiums. It's really cool. So I thought to myself, hey, let's get the Crown Legacy some Footy Scran love. These waffles all on a stick will do it. My instinct was correct. I posted a pic of the, uh, the waffles, the waffles on a stick. I uh, tagged Footy Scran. They reposted it. They didn't give us any credit, but that's fine. But I want to know, hopefully, uh, hopefully that they were feeling the love for us over there at the Crown Legacy offices, and I want to ask Darius about that. You know, you know what I like about the Footy Scran account is because it celebrates football culture. It's right. not about anything besides uh, not only football culture, but also regional culture, like and what, match day culture. Yeah, what kind of food can you get in different mm-hmm. places? It's just fun to go on that. Uh, that account and kind of just see what is offered at different venues around the world. Unsurprisingly, people liked the waffles on a stick. They did not like the $5 each price tag. A little, little pricey because you're just really just cooking up some bread. And well, it's 2023 in America. You can't buy anything without handing over an arm and a leg. That's true. Even a, even a waffle on a stick. How do you, do you think in general things are better? Food is on, on a stick. Does that elevate it? Like anything you can put on a stick is better? Well, I actually think that when I saw that, I was like, why isn't this at the Charlotte FC matches? Right, right. Right? It's because they can't get food trucks in. Time to bring it. It's because David Tepper can't make any money if the food trucks show up and start right, selling, exactly, selling exactly, uh, yeah. their product. So, Time to license the recipe. Uh, we, we teased uh, that interview. You'll get that. That'll be really fun. And we, we have another special guest. Expect it next week as well. We'll talk to him about a massive match Lucky against massive. LAFC and what it's been like um, acclimating. To, to soccer here in the U.S. after some serious experience across the globe, even in the Champions League. So we're going to have that conversation next week as well. Big things popping. Make sure you stick with the Charlotte Soccer Show before we uh, kick off against LAFC on the 26th. And one more update, uh, if, if you're looking for, for more soccer, um, you know, one thing that I've been trying to do, Danny, and we, we've, we've always talked about passion projects on this mm-hmm. show and kind of how Charlotte is a soccer city. You can catch me on Thursday night, this Thursday, and I'm going to be calling Queens University Soccer on ESPN+. Let's go, baby. And, and, and you can catch me doing that uh, for the rest of the, the season here. I'm going to be doing the women's game on Thursday night, the first game of the season against Wofford. Wow. And then... Uh, I'll be at the, the first men's game at home is uh, 10 days after that, uh, midweek match, or a weekend match. I think it's a Sunday match um, on the same day that is the Brownie Bro Party. So I'll be hanging out at the Brownie Bro Party, then heading Hell over yeah, to, go, to, to call Queens Men's Soccer um, after that. So the Sunday after LAFC is the first men's game of the season. So uh, trying to just you know celebrate this soccer city in, in, in as many ways as possible. Yeah. And Queens U is next on the list. Yeah, and they're newly new Division One program. That's great. That's sec- second Congrats. year, second year in, in Division One. I. I know um, there's there's people that that we know who have done this job before, and um, I, I just want to be very clear that I'm and and I met with um, Nick Kloss, the the play by play announcer 
uh, this week, and I, and I made sure I told him, I said, hey, man, just so you know, I'm doing this for fun. And uh, <laughs> You're going in the booth, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for fun, and I'm excited to talk about some tactics throughout the match. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with the head coach today, uh, asked about formation, asked about style of play. Oh, wow. Something new, something different to do. And um, uh, and shout I'll out to you, watching. Danny, for, for letting me know about that opportunity. I'll and, be watching on and, ESPN uh, Plus. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Same, same way we watch the independence games. Exactly. So, um, that's one thing a lot that, of news. That's a news dump. It that is was a, a huge news dump. It, yeah, it yeah, was yeah, a huge yeah. news dump. So, uh, the, the, the conversation that we're going to have now, and if you made it 25 minutes into the podcast, I think you're going to get rewarded because you're going to find out a little something here that nobody else is talking about. Okay, and I promise you that. And maybe other people will start talking about it after they hear this segment. Uh, Kyle Swiderski, he might be on the way out, Danny. Uh, there was there was an interview uh, before the the Miami match where yeah. Kyle Swiderski said some things that confirmed what I've been hearing from some of my sources at the club. It's funny these guys they really tend to open up a lot more with their hometown media as opposed to the local media. I, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, when Carroll goes back to Poland. When uh, Enzo goes back to Argentina, when they're talking with uh, their home nation in their in their native language, they tend to open up a little more. And Karol Swiderski gave this uh, really lo- nice, long, long-form in- in- interview to Sport PL, a Polish uh, website, sports website. Talked a lot about the Polish national team, and then got into his Charlotte FC stuff. And there's there's a lot in here. There really is a lot. And this this is an interview that even though it was four or five days ago, it happened right before the Miami match. Um, it hasn't been discussed a lot, and I think it's it needs to be discussed, to be honest, because he, he said some stuff in here that, that's interesting, and he talked about the team and how how much he's liking it and how much he wants to push for the playoffs. He believes the good form will be maintained. He's, he's Carroll says he's really encouraged by the form that the team has found. Uh, he's also encouraged by in playing striker again. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what, something that yeah. I took out of this. So... Uh, some quotes here. Uh, the coach has often put me in such a position near this year as the 8 or the 10, which is definitely not the optimal solution for me. Nevertheless, I'm the type of player who will try to play my best no matter where the coach puts me. Sometimes it looked better, sometimes worse. Recently, I played an attack because, our, because Enzo Capetti got injured. I'm curious myself how it will be when he returns to health and form for good. You could see the difference when I could go back to the attack, the regularity in scoring goals returned, my game looked much better. There's more benefit to the team. So Carroll wants to be a striker for more benefit to the team. This is not a selfish guy who's necessarily looking to pad his stats because he cares about numbers. He just knows the numbers are important, and he, he wants he wants to get some numbers, but he, I think he really does genuinely want the team to be successful, right? And I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, you're the one that has the quotes in front of you. Carroll uh, Sergerski also said that he wants this season to last as long as possible so he's fresh for the winter transfer window. Right, and that's the thing. is He, he said if, if Charlotte FC's season ends in October on decision day and then the uh, he is not playing until Jan- you know the winter transfer window opens in January, all of a sudden he you know he's not as hot of a prospect. If he's playing deep into November and as Charlotte FC makes an MLS Cup run, all of a sudden he's on a lot more radars for, radars for an extra month heading into that transfer window, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, he also said, uh, th- I think this is an important enough quote. He said, uh, uh, it was definitely a new experience. And there were even times after matches where I thought, damn, maybe this really is a position for me. Speaking about playing the number 10, the midfielder. We thought that at the end of last season, right? There were also matches I was angry that I did, did not play in my position in attack. 
So a lot of how I felt about the switch depended on my performance in a match. So, you know, that speaks to sort of, you know, being a little mercurial, which we don't love, but... Carol loves again. the score goals. Let's be real, okay? Right. I, I, and, and it goes back to, to what we've always said on the show, which is no one likes a Carol Swiderski goal more than Carol Swiderski right. because that's what feeds his soccer soul, yeah. right? He's not a player out there that is looking for assists. He's not a player out there that's looking for possession uh, right. to, to, to lead the, the midfield, to uh, tuck in behind a striker and act as a creator. Carol Swiderski wants to score goals. He gets this personally, mm-hmm. I think, from his Polish national team teammate, Robert Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. I think that when he goes to train with Poland, he is Lewandowski's understudy. Yeah. And then when he comes back to Charlotte and is asked to play the, the 10 or the wing or a midfield position, he kind of asks, he asks himself, what the fuck? Yeah. Aren't I the striker? And I think signing Enzo Capetti while it was a splashy move for Charlotte FC that didn't really pan out. I think we, we it's time to discuss whether Enzo Capetti's signing has had a negative impact on Carol Swiderski's longevity in Charlotte. Yeah. I think it has. I think I think there's no chance that we hold on to Carol past next summer. Let's just put it that way. Like, next summer is as long as we'll have him. If he starts next season with us, he'll be gone in next next midsummer transfer window. Right. It's just the time. And I'm I, I was I'm hopeful that that is what the case. He even said in this interview, by the way, at the very end of the interview, he said, if, I, if they sell me by the end of August, then we'll see what happens. So, like, there's still a chance. We're still in the middle of August right now. And the European – he said, I'm not optimistic it'll happen because the MLS transfer window is closed, so they couldn't bring in anybody to replace me. But you're getting Copetti back from injury, which is almost like replacing Swedish. And you could at just and you could just yeah. start Patrick Ajamong. Right. And you could start Ajamong. So with two weeks still to go in the European transfer window, there's still a chance he, he could care could be gone in the next two weeks. I am not saying I think that's gonna happen, but he it's obviously on his mind. Right. He said he mentioned it in the interview. Right. I, there, and and we've heard him say in other interviews before that his dream is to play in Europe. Right. That, that yeah, he, and he's that never he, made a secret about that, obviously. Exactly. From, from and, the time he was signed. And yeah. um, I think ultimately that's the type of thing that you need to not be emotional about, not uh, be worried about, just take for what it is at face value. Is that Carl Swarovski was the first major signing for this club at a striker position coming from Greece. And playing for the Polish national team, a player that can bag goals, and that type of player is looking to play at the highest level. Right. And if someone from La Liga comes calling, if someone from Germany comes calling, if somebody, I wouldn't say France. Yeah. I, I don't think France is the right place for I them. know, I generally, I think he has some ties to Serie A. I think Italy would be more likely it, than France for it, sure. Italy, yeah. absolutely. If Italy comes the, calling. I would say Italy, number one. Germany 2, Spain 3, probably. I don't think he has a chance to sign with the Premier League squad. There's no chance in hell that he's getting signed there. I don't see that. I think that he could end up on a championship squad. But the question becomes, is that is MLS the championship, the move you want to make? That's a desperation move. If I'm Karol Swiderski, I have my sights set a little higher than that. Right. I'm thinking Atalanta, Fiorentina, that sort of mid-tier Serie A. Considering Sergio Ruiz just started in La Liga yeah. for Granada in their first match of the season, Carlos Ruiz looking at it saying, like, yeah. why aren't I doing that? Right. You know who else started in La Liga this week? Who? 
Darwin Machis. <laughs> the one that got away. Oh, <laughs> yeah, for Cadiz. So there you go. But, uh, but, I, but I think I, I wanted to follow up on something that I, that I teased before the break, which was that it's, it's no secret in and around the club that a plan for post-Swiderski mm-hmm. has to be in place. That they that this club is not looking at Carol Swiderski as someone that's going to be here right. for the long run, it, and that's that's the that's the hidden message that you know was not apparent on the surface, but is obvious when you look at it all in big picture. That's the hidden message behind signing Arfield and Deagra, which is just two more eights coming in, you know, like to fill in if if Enzo or a and, ten. I if, mean, Deagra's yeah. literally wearing number ten, right? If Enzo and and Ajman are strikers, these are our midfield replacements, and so we can hit, you know continue to operate as as we need to with Carol going. The problem is when we we don't have Carol, we look really bad. The times that Latanzio has got his put his uh, his big boy pants on and tried to bench Carol to prove a point have never worked out and he was taking I mean, off. and you say don't be emotional. He's my favorite player in the club, so I'm going to be emotional for sure. Like I, I won't be able to help myself, unfortunately. Well, there's a time yeah. to be emotional. And that time is is if the move happens and the money is light and it doesn't sure. seem that impressive, and he just looks like he's getting out of town to get out of town. That would be horrible. I think that situation yeah. would call for some negative right. emotion. You would, it would, I would have to be thinking over ten million. Like the the, the conversation starts at ten million for me, right? Like right. it doesn't even like you can't go lower than that. And and to be fair, this is really the, we Charl- have him under contract. I think through the end of twenty five. So it's like this is Charlotte FC's first opportunity as a club to shop a player that can bring in a significant transfer fee. Sure. Right? So just from that point of view, we talk about first for the club, right? First for the front office. David Tepper is looking at Kyle Swierski and saying, this is my first opportunity to move an asset. to, To move an asset. So ultimately, two things could happen. Well, first and foremost, it's 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 Charlotte FC misses the playoffs. Kyle Swarovski doesn't have a strong finish to the season, and his value is absolutely nothing. Right. And during the winter transfer window, you kind of look at that and you say, maybe not the best time to sell on. He needs to get back into form, play in the MLS mm-hmm. from February until the summertime, and then move him halfway sure. through next season when his value is a little bit higher. Second thing that could happen, and this is benefits everybody, is that Kyle Swarovski comes out for the, for the, for the remainder of the season mm-hmm. – and plays like a man on fire. And his transfer value just shoots right. through the moon. We somehow make it like we, we we get the wild card, win the wild card, win, win a three-game series in the first round, and, and we're, we're getting all kinds of exposure into the second round yes. of the playoffs, maybe even further. And Carol Swiderski takes this club on a deep run, mm-hmm. and the club benefits from having Carol Swiderski, mm-hmm. and Carol and the club benefits from selling Carol, right. recuperating like, that money. Right. And Carroll benefits, and everybody wins, right? Except for the people that are sad to see him go. You can have a, you can have a graduation or a divorce, basically. Is you know <laughs> you can have a graduation or you can have a divorce. Yeah. And, graduation and, sounds a lot yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. So I, that that's the current situation with Carroll Sudersky, um, and we're, we're interested to hear your thoughts. Um, you, can, you can hit us up out on social at uh, for right. the crown baby. I put out a call. Uh, to hit and, us with some questions for today, and it, it, you got to figure every other uh, Charlotte uh, FC coverage outlet is going to be talking about this. 
a few weeks from now. We're talking about it right now. So have the, let's have the conversation right now, oh, for sure. Yes. Um, so uh, I just want to call out some of these questions from our TIFOs. Uh, shout out to the TIFOs who, who showed up. Uh, Curtis and Rachel, I think two of the best TIFOs. They're the as watch well. party MVPs of the season, for sure. Uh, no, no doubn. Keenan. Uh, yeah. had a great time watching the match with Keenan. Keenan, Keenan, yeah. Keegan, Keegan, yeah. Keegan, Keegan and Sarah. Yeah. Keegan and Sarah as well. Also MVPs in the running, for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. So um, shout out to them. Kevin Anderson, a surprise appearance. I didn't expect him to be there Imagine. on a Friday night. And shout out to a, a former colleague of mine, a current colleague of yours, Dari Noka. Dari. Makes exactly. his first watch party experience Dari Noka. Yeah. at EPR. We've mentioned Dari on the show before how great it is, like someone who works in sports and is like, you know, his whole life is sports, but he was never a soccer fan. But to see the way he's like embraced soccer, and he brought some a friend from his neighborhood, you know, just one of his buddies. And so that we were spreading the gospel. And that's, that's kind of like, like Dari was planning to come to a watch party at some point anyway. It just happened to be this is the one. But his buddy wasn't going to come unless it was messy. And that's just the whole point of like, you know, we referenced it earlier in the episode, the messy, yeah. the messy, uh, uh, evangelization, I guess, the uh, proselytization uh, of Messi to, to bring people in the league has some potential to have a lot of benefit. It just needs to be channeled in the right way. Yeah, it does. As we discussed. And I, I think you know, just something to underscore about Messi for the final time on today's show is that um, MLS has always had kind of like a punk rock kind of vibe right. to it. Right. Right. An, an, an emo kind of vibe to it. It's like when people talk shit on MLS, you're like, well, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. We like I it. I don't care. Yeah, yeah exactly. like, we, you know, we yeah. like it. We're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And now that, you know, uh, a bona fide superstar is right. in the league and people are like, ooh, we're yeah. interested. It's like. You two showed up to the Battle of the Bands, you know. Yeah, it's like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, we've always been here. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the punk rock uh-huh. um, point of view that's always. How I, and that's why I'm so mad at the national media for yeah. falling all over themselves to slob knobs. Let's just remember, it benefits them. Um, so, Brandon Davis, Jorge Torres, Ash Hamrick, appreciate these uh, questions. Uh, we're going to hit on these very quickly. We're going to hit Ash's question first on the show today because it's a good question. Are we still Latanzio out? Still hot outside? <laughs> yeah. I, it, honestly, it's a great question because it's kind of like a vibe check, yeah. right? It's like before the League's Cup run, it was – you know, you, you came on this show and, and you said, I'm officially there and I'm ready to go. And then all of a sudden the cup magic has a chance to, to yeah. put you under a bit of a spell. I would give the players and the fans a lot more credit for the cup magic than the gaffer on this one. Okay. Yeah, good. For, for me, ultimately, um, it's not – I think that it's important to think about Latanzio out in a nuanced sort of way. Sure. It's easy to say, yes, Latanzio out, but the real question becomes like – if you're Latanzio out, does that mean you you want him sacked today? No. <laughs> like what does no, he? Yeah. What does what does it mean? That doesn't really help our club to sack. Him that, today. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Exactly. Like what yeah. what does it mean? Like Latanzio right. out is it's just like it's 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 a football right. cliche. I'm third wave Latanzio out. I'm you know I'm third wave. You know I, I don't yeah. the originalists in the Latanzio out movement. I, I I broke from them. They were a little too radical for me. But my my third wave Latanzio outness. Is basically a description of a of an of a ideology, a way of thinking that says he's not going anywhere. So why waste the energy screaming for him to, to be out? Brandon Davis uh, chimes in. He says three five two four four two is the time now to get Swiderski and Ajamong up top together for a full match. Great question, Brandon. Yes, four four two, four four two. 
Yeah, I think I think four four two is a is an interesting um, idea here because what four four two allows you to do, and if if I were to say like the, our biggest weakness as a club right now, it's definitely wingers. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the wing play has been very very poor. Yeah. Of late, Uzio has not come back from his injury well at all, and Vargas has just been too inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. Wing wing play is Miram's fallen off. As well. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been a struggle. So I think the four four two allows you to actually just like pack your midfield mm-hmm. with players that have been signed. Right. Right. You can play Westwood. You can play Arfield. Right. Dejarger. Yeah. Dejarger. De, yeah. De, yeah. Diagra. Diagra. Yeah. De- yeah. <laughs> just go uh, breakfast. Um, there there is going to be a point where I think like. I have to study these pronunciations, but, I, but I, I've struggled on today's podcast, and it is what it is. So yeah. you can you can rake me over the coals for that, or you can fuck off. Just just go, just go as guttural as you possibly can and say Brecht. <laughs> and you can get Bronico in that on a four four two. You can you can get Derek Jones in on a four four two. You can you can do a lot with a four four two because right now it seems like the midfield is where. Right. This team to is me, really it's a four-four-two diamond. It's a four. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, a four-four-two yes. diamond. It's not. It's not a line of four, line of four and two. It's a four-four-two diamond Good with call. Westwood at the base, Brecht and Arfield in the middle, and probably Bender at the top of the diamond. To be honest, for me, with with Carroll and Najem among strikers, I would love that. Wow, that would be really fun. Yeah. That would be. Yeah, and and Bender's start on the wing was was rough. Yeah. Um, Really, really rough. Yeah, you could also put Bronico at the base or Jones and put Westwood at the top of the diamond as well. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a it's a fun idea, and, and um, uh, you've got a strong four at the back now. I think you've got options there. Uh, Carujo, don't know don't know Carujo's status. He's in to win. He's got, he's got to come back soon. Yeah, I mean, what, again, we've got a week more than a week before we play a game, so there's going to be multiple Latanzio pressers between now and then, I would hope. Uh, we will try to get as much inside info as we can from Darius, although he's a little more focused on the Crown Legacy. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, as far as status of our players, I think a lot of it is still up in the air before our next our next uh, first team match. Official thoughts on Yuri Urinin and how he uh, can impact, uh, considering how big of a leap Nathan Byrne had during the Cup run. Jorge Torres chimes in uh, with that. I think we've addressed that on the podcast already. Um, yeah, I, I do feel. I hope Yeri can make a great contribution because I did feel like the play we'd sort of played our way out of that problem and then addressed it with a signing and now we have a new problem of you know pissing off Jayla Lindsay who just keeps getting bet like you know I know he's prone to a mistake every now and again but man he does some nice things. Yeah, J- Jalen Lindsay is one of those players that could we we talk about longevity. Right. He is a player that could have a very long tenured career for right. this club. Right. Because he's not somebody who's going to be making a move somewhere else. Yeah, he's not a European prospect. But he's, he's, he's brilliantly an American player. Right. And he's going to play in MLS for his entire career. And he's one of our own. And he's one of our own. Yeah. Jalen Lindsay, he's definitely one of our own. So um, I, I appreciate your questions, your TFOs questions today. I just wanted to hammer out uh, a, couple of, a couple of those and, and get some final thoughts before we, uh, before we sign off. I think uh, playoffs is, is going to be the discussion. We're going we're gonna right. to hear about playoffs. We're going to hear about where this team stands, what they need to do for the rest of the season. And ultimately, it's time for the run-in, right? It's, There's it's, 33 points on the, uh, available. There, it's, it's time for the run-in. Uh, Charlotte FC sitting in, in 12th place uh, behind New York Red Bulls and Montreal, who are, are out of the playoff position at, at ninth place. DC United sitting there four points back um, with a game in hand as well. So... 
you're going to hear a lot about that, but just final thoughts. What are your realistic expectations for the playoff push to run in here? What, what kind of mindset are you going into the, these final games well, with? Uh, the mindset is at all costs. The mindset is to steal a line from uh, high school and college football uh, gridiron coaches, burn your boats. You know, we're not coming back. Yeah. Like, ev- we're, 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 we're crossing the river to launch the attack and we're burning the boats and we're not, we're not going back. Like, that's the way it is. When I read off these teams to you, just anecdotally, numbers aside, from what you've seen this year, Chicago Fire, D.C. United, Montreal, New York Red Bulls, New York City FC. Those sound like playoff teams to you? They sound like just any, like you hear that team. Does that sound like a team that should be in the playoffs? No. And maybe people would say that about Charlotte FC also. But what I'm saying is, this is a we're in a pack of a bunch of we're in a pack of shitheads, and it's like our job to prove that we're the least shittiest head of, the, of them all <laughs> at this point. You know, like yeah, yeah. like it's time to emerge. And then we got we got to sweat in Miami trying to chase up the back eight points behind us. You know, with eleven matches to play, that's. That's some big points to make up. Any any Miami slip up will pretty much kill the messy dream. If they lose, if they are to have two draws in their eleven, they're in big trouble. So they need to win like ten out of eleven. Charlotte FC, I think we probably need out of thirty three points available. What do you think? Twenty. I don't know. The, the schedule's tough. I, I'm not here to do math. I'm just like <laughs> I, I, so. Twenty I, sounds I, good. I, yeah, twenty sounds good. I'm yeah. just throwing it out there as a number. I think ultimately, twenty would 100 percent get us in the playoffs for sure because yeah. right now we're on twenty six. Usually you need about 42, 43, I think, to get in the playoffs. So, yeah, 20 would get us there. So that's the goal, and it's all about goal setting. And we're going to find out what these these new signings can do down the stretch run. It's a it's a massive run-in of the season uh, for Charlotte FC. We're talking about finishing things up in October, and we're sitting here today, and it's, it's, it's only August 16th. So while it feels like this is going to end soon, there's two months to go, mm-hmm. and the Charlotte Soccer Show is where you can hang out for the next two months. We're going to talk all things Charlotte FC. We're going to talk about the Independence as well because there's a chance, Danny, that the Independence will lift a trophy at the end of this season uh, for they for this the, the city of Charlotte. Up the Jacks. Um, the, the Jacks are uh, right now uh, this weekend. Uh, they are on the road at Central Valley Fuego in the USL League One standings at the moment. Charlotte Independence is five points back of first place. It's NCFC leading, leading USL League One. Didn't NCFC just announce they're, they're heading to the USL Championship next season? Up. Yep. Yep. I could see the Independence doing that at some point. So we'll see. They're, they're top dollar. So, Independence on the road uh, this weekend. Not No home games uh, for Charlotte FC. But, again, next weekend, uh, the Independence on the road once again. Is there a midweek game for the Independence this week? Uh, Double-check that. I know Charlotte FC has a lot of midweeks coming up. We act, Charlotte FC actually has five matches in 21 days, I believe, once the LAFC game kicks off. We play, like, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, or something like that. Or Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, or something like that, I think. So I'm not sure what the Independence midweek schedule is, but it, it's a lot of soccer being packed in the next few weeks. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look like uh, the Independence will be back at home until September. If I'm wrong on that, tweet us. Let us know. I'm at John Hayes on air. Danny's at Danny Brams. You can follow us at For the Crown Baby as well. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure to do this show. Uh, at oh, Brawley's, our first time here. If you haven't been to Brawley's on Park Road and you're looking for a good vibe to have a beer, 
um, looking for some shade, you can find it there. You can also find some air conditioning inside as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think one of the more interesting things here, and, and this speaks exactly to what this place is, I asked for the Wi-Fi password. You know what they told me? No big beer. <laughs> no big beer, baby. It's all locals. Exactly. They, they, they put all the local breweries on tap here. So if you like a bunch of different breweries and don't know which one to choose, this is one of those spots you can come get a taste of everything. Much like EPR as well, but... Brawley's was the Brawley's was the spot today. It treated us right, I feel. And now that a, a nice cool breeze has um, you know, taken us to the end of the show, uh, I'll say to you now, like I say to you always, Danny, it's for the crown, baby. Mm-hmm.